morning, y'all. Please be seated. This past week, I was up in uh, South Carolina helping my brother. And many of you probably know he's a farmer, and we actually talked about the scripture reading today. And this is not the message. This is just a mini message. But he talked about, he is a farmer, and he said that the sower, in that passage that um, Israel just read, it says it's a sower, not a farmer. And the difference between a sower and a farmer is that a farmer would never scatter seed in the weeds or in the brambles or on the road. He'd only scatter the seeds on the prepared ground. If we think about our duty as Christians, we are the sowers. We don't just go to the prepared ground. We scatter seed in the briars and in the brambles and in the hard places. I couldn't help, every time I read this, I can't help but be reminded one time I was down in the Pahokee Bellblade area back many years ago when they used to grow a lot of produce down there. And there was a little patch of collard greens, I think, that had went to seed. And as I remember right, it was in two roads. Two roads came together, and it was kind of in the V of that road. And when it went to seed, it kind of planted itself again on its own, kind of volunteered collard greens coming up. And those seeds blew out into the road. And the collard greens were growing in the cracks of the asphalt. Literally. So don't think that you have to sow seed in the prepared ground. Because even seed that falls in the cracks of the road down in the Black Belt of Florida will still grow. It'll still produce collard greens. Okay, that was extra, y'all. All right, so this morning we are going to be in Romans, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be looking at looking at verses 18 through 25 today but the first three words there in that section at least in my bible says for i reckon for i reckon that's a really good southern word we say that sometimes i reckon what that word means is means uh, to take account or it means to take inventory and it means to take stock, which is another good southern phrase, to take stock. And that's what we're going to do for a few minutes here, take stock of where we've been in the book of Romans. And if you remember way back in verse 1, 
of chapter 1, it talked about the gospel of God. And, it talked, and we learned then that the gospel of God, Paul used it that way, because the gospel came from God. It started in God. The word does not mean that the gospel is some sort of checklist that God has that he goes by and that we are to go by as well. The gospel is from God, literally from him. Before the foundation of the world, our names were written in the book of life. You know, I've heard some preachers say that, you know, when it's time for salvation, you got God votes for you and the devil votes against you and you cast the deciding vote. I'm going to tell you, I wasn't there before the foundation of the world. And you weren't either. The gospel is from God and is, is his own plan. He has given to man to receive by faith in Christ alone. And that was the crux of the great reformation. That salvation is in Christ alone by faith alone. Paul goes on to say that in that first chapter that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's no difference. Then right after that he says the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and disobedience of men and not being thankful. You know, grumbling, being discontent, it calls the wrath of God to be revealed. Discontent, grumbling. He says the wrath of God was revealed for all ungodliness. In chapter, and that goes all the way to chapter 3, to the middle of chapter 3. From the middle of chapter 1 to the middle of chapter 3, God uses all of that scripture to prove that all men deserve to go to hell. In fact, all men, their destination is in forever torment of hell. But in that chapter, he throws out this word called justification. And that's what every person needs, is justification. We need to be justified before God because he is the judge. We don't get to determine if, our, if we're good enough to go into heaven. We need justification. And that justification is available for all and any to come. And it's available by just simple faith, faith in Christ, in Christ alone. And in that justification, he just didn't leave us out in the street. He didn't leave us just to burn in hell. 
or be somewhere in between heaven and hell. Justification means we were once his enemy, now we're seated at his table. We're seated at God's table. And as we go through the next, the following chapters, in every chapter, Paul talks about a concept and our struggle with it. But he always brings us back to the basics. And the basics is, is faith in Christ alone. Chapter 5, he says, But God commended his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Chapter 6, he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 7, he talks about the law at the beginning, and he says that every person that has knowledge of the law is obligated to it. Without exception, if you have knowledge of God's law, you're obligated to it. And we know that the law is the will of God. Sometimes we might hear someone say, you know what, we're not under law anymore. We're under grace. Well, we've always been under grace. Man has always been under grace. Salvation has always been by grace. So we have to think about that a little different. What's Paul talking about? What's he talking about? And it must have been a really big struggle with that church in Rome because Paul gave a personal testimony about his struggle with sin, his struggle with the law. I mean, the Bible says, he that sinneth must die. That's what Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is death. And Paul goes into his personal struggle with sin. And he helps us to understand what that is. is walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. And at the end of that chapter, he said that, Who shall deliver me from this body of sin? The body of death, I mean. Who shall deliver us from this body of death? Then in the next, come on. And in the next verse there, he says that, um, he takes us back to the basics. And that's Romans 7.25. He says, I thank God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's, the Lord Jesus Christ that delivers us from this body, this carnal body that has, that we each have and leads us into sin. But then he, I don't know how to get you to understand this picture, the weight of what Paul is talking about. You know, for the Jew in that day who was taught the law from his birth, 
They memorized the law early, their whole life, their early life. They memorized it. So they knew that any transgression of the law was sin. And how they must have struggled with that sin that kept coming back. And now they're learning that they can't go to the priest and offer a sacrifice. Christ did that all for them. You see, it's a burden. And sometimes we, especially young kids, when you you confront them about something they did wrong and they just break down and start weeping because of the guilt that's on them. That's what he's talking about, that struggle with sin and that guilt and that condemnation. Then in Romans 8, 1, what does he say? There's now no more condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. Took us back to the basics again. In Christ Jesus, we have no condemnation. Then we saw in that, the first part of that chapter all the different benefits of a person that has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. He talks about many things. We have peace with God. And we have the Spirit in us that helps us with our fight against the flesh. And a, a couple weeks ago, we looked at this marvelous verse that says we are adopted as children, joint heirs with Christ, our brother Christ. We can literally say, and we see that God's plan was to have heirs. We don't often think about salvation as us becoming heirs of God, children of God, but we are. We should be rejoicing, shouting glory, hallelujah, even if it's on the inside. And I'm looking at Pastor Doug, and he's over there smiling, and I, I know he's jumping up and down on the inside and naming Jumping up, that's glorious. We are joint heirs with Christ. But hold on, it gets better. It gets better in this chapter. So let's read our section here. Romans 8, verse 18. He says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Verse 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We, for we know that 
The whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And all, not only they, but ourselves also, which had the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for it? Verse 25, it says, But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do, then do we with patience wait for it. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for that glorious gospel that you freely sown in our hearts, our stony hearts. And Father, somehow you called that seed to germinate in a stony heart. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you for that. And Father, we ask that if there's anyone here today that hasn't trusted you, that you would do that work that only you can do and germinate that seed, that gospel seed in their heart. And that they would come in repentance and faith to you. And Father, we just trust you with all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So we talked a little bit already about I reckon, verse 18. I reckon means to take an account or take an inventory or to take stock of where you are today. We've done a little bit of that already just by rehearsing what we've covered some things in this book, we've taken stock in the benefit of our life in Christ. But he talks about in that verse, he talks about suffering of this present time. And that's the title of the message today. I showed my wife earlier that will God surprise in missions the hope of suffering hope and suffering. Now I want to show you today, I hope you see today that there is hope in suffering. Whatever you're suffering today, there's hope. These things, this, these sufferings of this present time cannot be compared to the glory which shall come. The glory that's going to be revealed when God redeems this body. You know, if you put it in a balance, you know, you see the, um, the symbol for the justice is a, a person with a blindfold on and they're holding a balance. And that's supposed to mean they're not biased in any way. They're blind. They're just weighing the evidence. And if we weigh the evidence of our life against eternity, which way does the needle fall? We take our 70 years of suffering, or 80 years, or 90 years, even 120 years like Moses, and we put it on one side of the scale, 
but we put our eternal glory on the other side. We're just going to weigh more. We're just going to be weightier. That's what Paul wants us to understand. That there's no comparison between the suffering we go to now compared to the glory that shall be revealed. We all have different seasons of life when different things are present and the sufferings that we experience. We must understand that we are not singled out in our suffering. Our suffering is not worse or better than anyone else's. Still suffering. Every person suffers for different things. First Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with exceeding joy. That's what Pastor Doug was talking about. If we're saved, if you're saved today, you can rejoice no matter what the suffering is. Then in verse 19, he says, but there is an expect expectation to come. Verse 19 says, um, you know what? I'm not even in the right chapter here. I wonder it didn't look right. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Let me just read it again. It says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. There is an expectation when the sons of God are manifest or revealed. There's an expecta expectation that every Christian has that one day one day we will be redeemed our bodies will be redeemed we won't have to suffer anymore we won't have to battle with sin anymore our struggle with sin will be over 1 John chapter 3 verse 2 says beloved now we, the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, we don't know what our future body is going to look like. All we know is that we are the sons of God. We do not know what we will be like, but we will be like Christ. We'll be like Christ when he appears. Isn't that wonderful? We may not understand or know what we're going to be, but we know by what John tells us we're going to be like him. We are still the children of God, even in our suffering. We are still the children of God, even in our suffering. And what we will be like 
and glory does not compare to our suffering at this present time. Consider this scene in heaven. Go ahead and start turning over to Revelation chapter 5. But I want you to consider this. I don't know what our part is in this scene we're about to read. But it's talking about the one who we are made joint heirs with. It is, a, it is too wonderful for me to even wrap my mind around it. But listen to what God's word says. Revelation chapter 5. And I'm going to begin reading in verse five, 9. Revelation 5, 9. It says, And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. Helps us to understand who he's talking about. He's talking about Christ. And has redeemed us by the blood, by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. He's talking about the redeemed. And the redeemed are the ones that are joint heirs with this one that was slain. last week no, the week before I was down at Big Cypress Indian Reservation preaching down there and the last song they were, they sang was in there in the Seminole language I didn't understand a word of it but you know what one day when we're all around the throne of God the redeemed are around the throne of God and everyone is singing praising God in their own language. I'll understand it. You will understand it. And that's what I told them. I said, I don't know what you said, but when we are there, I will understand. In verse 10, it says, And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld... And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. By the way, these are the ones that Christ could have called to deliver him from the cross and he didn't. Verse 12, he says, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them Heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne <clears throat> and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said 
Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. I do not know what we shall be, but I know that when we shall be with him, we will be like him. We are the joint heirs with him that we will be seated around his table. We're going to be there around that throne singing God's praise to our brother. To our brother. Join heirs with Christ. Children of God. Turn back over to Romans chapter 8. Verse 20 says, <clears throat> For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subject, subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. You know what? That's hope. Let's hope. We're going to be delivered from this corruptible body. We're going to be with a brother in Christ in heaven. Notice verse 22, he says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now. And not only they but ourselves also, which had the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. We will be delivered from the bondage of this present suffering. We'll be delivered from it. And it won't be comparable to the glories in heaven and that are to come. We must not think that our suffering is more or less than those of others. But we must encourage each other while we suffer together. What that means is we look beyond our own suffering and help those that also suffer. Encourage them. Romans 8.24 says, We are saved, or we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man saith, why does he yet hope for it? You understand that our hope is not looking a few days past their suffering and knowing what it's going to be like. That's not hope. Hope is for what's coming. It's not seen. Christian, Christian, I want you to be encouraged today knowing that Whatever your suffering is, it's 
only temporary, it's temporal. And then one day, we have hope that God is going to redeem this body that suffers. And if you're not a Christian and you're here today, and you hear me, I want to encourage you to repent and believe Christ. Because you don't have this hope I'm talking about. This hope is only for those who have repented and believed. The only thing that a unserved patient has to look forward to is eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. The Bible describes it as the fire and brimstone. It's hell. Please repent today. Please repent. Let's stand. We'll pray. Father, again, Father, we thank you for that great blessed hope that you give every believer at the moment they believe put their faith and trust in you. Father, we thank you, and we can spend eternity thanking you and praising you and worshiping you for that. Father, we just thank you that you called us and you saved us. And Father, we ask that you just help us now. Help us to be encouraged. Help us to search your hearts. And Father, do that work that only you can do. And that's to cause seeds to sprout in a stone. Father, we just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So please remain standing for our last song.